What's up, guys? Shane Larson here with the Game Time Guru Podcast. Excited to bring on our guest today to talk about his sports journey. He's a college football player, a former college football player, but his journey is unique. You know, not everybody's journey is the same. Not everyone has the exact same, you know, experiences through their, their athletic journey. And his is unique because for his entire life, at least from the time he was 12, our guest had an entrepreneurial mindset. He always knew that there was going to be something bigger for him after the playing days were over. So we're going to be talking about his journey through football and how he got to the college football realm and what happened there. Talk about injuries, talk about academics and everything in between. But we're also going to be talking about his mindset when it came to entrepreneurship and how that impacted him even when he was a young kid all the way through college and even now as he's a real estate investor who has scaled up multiple businesses and is doing extremely well. Um, you're going to like this episode of the Game Time Guru. I also want to remind you guys, if you haven't done so already, make sure to check out my Built Bar affiliate link that's here in the description. If you guys are you know, into fitness and you want to eat some nice protein bars, I'm a Built Bar affiliate. I have my link right here to get you guys a discount on all of your orders. Check that out here in the description. And again, get your notepad out. Take some notes on this one. This is the Game Time Guru. So, what time is it? Game Time Boost! This is the Game Time Guru podcast, where I interview sports figures from all over the world to help deliver a panoramic view on sports. So whether you're a former athlete, one of the crazies, or simply a casual sports fan, this is the perfect show for you as we peel back the curtains and learn from our guests every single week. I'm your host, Shane Larson, and I'm helping you see sports through a different lens. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome out to another episode of the Game Time Guru Podcast. My name is Shane Larson, host of the show. We're going on almost six years now. In January, it will be six full years. I want to give a massive shout out to everybody who has listened to the show, whether this is your first time listening or you've been a long time listener. I appreciate all of you guys for the support. You guys are the reason that we are in 111 countries at the time that we speak right now. It's continuing to grow. All 50 states have downloaded the show, 111 countries, and it's thanks in large part to the people who've been on the show as well as those who are listening. So if you could do me a favor, make sure you leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. If you guys are first-time listeners and you're listening on an iPhone or an Apple device, just leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, and it will help it get out to more and more people. The whole point of this show, for those who are not familiar with the format, is I interview sports figures on a weekly basis. Every single Friday, we drop a new episode from a sports figure. We get to learn from them about their journey in the sports world. And then we get to learn a little bit about what sports have taught them in their regular lives and what they've been able to transfer into their regular lives. So that's kind of the format of the show. We hear all sorts of uh, different sports content. You know, we've had professional disc golfers. We've had spike ball players. We've had athletes from football, basketball, uh, regular golf, baseball, all sorts of athletes from all over the place. We have had coaches and, and everything. We've had rodeo guys on the, on the show. So like cowboys and such. So we love to bring on anybody from the sports world to share their stories. Today's no different. We're bringing on a former collegiate football player. He's an entrepreneur, business owner now, and we're going to be talking to him about his journey through the football world uh, as, as well as what he's doing now in the business world. His name's O'Neal Parker. O'Neal, thanks so much for joining the show, brother. What's going on? What's going on? Thanks for having me, man. Absolutely. Happy to be here. Yes, sir. Let's get it, man. So I met O'Neal when I was in Orlando, Florida. We were in there uh, working an event, and O'Neal and his, and his uh, business partners or friends were there, and got to chatting about some stuff and come to find out O'Neill was a former college football player. We chatted for a quick second, exchanged uh, contact info, and now we have him on the show. I'm super excited to kind of hear his story, but it's weird how, you know, connections are made. I was working my full-time job over there at an event in Orlando and happened to run into him. So I was like, dude, this is like the perfect type of, 
guests that I need on my show. So I'm super grateful for this. You know, O'Neal, um, before we got to the college football world, I kind of want to talk about your your upbringing in sports, like kind of what your childhood was in sports and when you were introduced to sports um, and, and kind of what that was like. So talk to us about, let's rewind the clock a little bit and learn a little bit about O'Neal Parker as a child. Like when did you get into uh, competing in athletics? Gotcha, gotcha. So my first sport I ever did was soccer. Uh, I think it was four. So I did soccer for a long time. And then I went into swimming as well. So I swam for like eight years. No uh, kidding. Yeah, you know, it's kind of different hearing a, a black guy swimming. <laughs> but I, <laughs> I swam uh, at, at a high level for eight years until I was a freshman in high school. Uh, it was either choice football or swimming because it's, it's the same season. So I couldn't do both. So, uh, you know, stuck with football. But I always played – I played pretty much every sport except basketball. I never played basketball. I don't know why. Uh, did swimming, did soccer, played baseball when I was young. Played baseball for like four years. Uh, of course, football. I ran track in high school. Uh, actually did golf in the summer. Okay. I never played on a team, but, I, you know, I did, I did like – I went to golfing camps, things like that. Uh, what else? That's pretty much all the sports I played. You know, I was always doing athletic, doing something. You know. Yeah, you were always into athletics. Okay, so let's let's un unbox that for a second. Um, swimming. You know, growing up, that's that's interesting. It's not like it's a terrible thing or anything like that. I think it's actually really unique because, well, I mean, from a you go from swimming to college football, so like that's the long story. But I kind of want to uh, unbox that piece of it. If you're talking about the swimming side of things. What did you learn through swimming that you could translate to the football field? I'm curious about that because some people, you know, multi-sport athletes can say, well, I transferred like my explosion. If I was in track, I could explode or I could transfer the explosion into my football game or whatever it may be. There's a lot of different things you can transfer from one sport to the other. Swimming, though, I want to know what, what did you transfer from swimming onto the football field? Is the longevity. So like with swimming, you got to be able to manage your breasts. You got to you got to last a long time. So just like swimming, swimming. It's basically similar track because you got the 100, 400, all those different things, 800 mile. So I was always good at, I could last for a long time. Like in college, we used to run 2.3 miles with a 55 pound sand bag on our book sack. I was always first or second. So uh, I forgot the name of the word. What is the word? Um, when you can last a long time? Uh, endurance. You had a lot of endurance. I always had a lot of endurance. My endurance is always high. I could I could run a mile, still be good. I could eat, I could probably eat like a full meal, burger from Burger King, fries, and still go run a mile. Easy. That's like wild. 30 minutes. Uh, so my endurance was like the most thing that transferred from swimming to football. My endurance on another level. No, that, that it de definitely sounds like it. For those who have never swam before, even if you're just swimming to try to get in shape, you mentioned something. You you mentioned breathing, right? Breathing is a big part. Like I think a lot of people have the physical capabilities to swim. And, and do so for a long time, but they don't know how to properly breathe. When I was boxing, yeah. so I boxed for three and a half years uh, for Golden Gloves. And, well, breathing's a big point of that too, but see, people don't realize that. Like, see, People see people swimming or they see people boxing, they think it's all about power and, and punching. A lot of it has to do with your breathing because if you don't breathe properly, you can't, your, your, yeah, your, your body will burn out pretty quick. You know, and it's, it's just, it's, it's wild. So I'm curious, I want to know about the breathing aspect. When you learn how to breathe, talk to us about controlling your breath and how that can actually help you perform at a high level with anything that you're doing if you understand how to breathe properly right right so just like what uh like what you mentioned with boxing if you don't know how to breathe right you're gonna run out quick you lose power 
you lose endurance. So if you don't have the proper breathing techniques, like with swimming, you lose every time. So like a swimming, if you can do five strokes or some, some, a lot of people do three, especially newbies. If you can do five to seven strokes and breathe, you can swim a lot faster than a lot of other people because it takes time to, to put your head out the water and breathe. Uh, so if you can have less breaths, you can swim faster because you're swimming, you know? Uh, so that's pretty much the main thing. If you can control your breathing and anything that you're doing, you'll probably be better than your opponent. Uh, your opponent at, at all times because you have more power if you can control your breath. I dig that, man. I hope the the athletes that are listening to this can kind of take note of that. I'm gonna I'm gonna probably dissect that a little bit more in a different different time um, about breathing. That's something I'm gonna notate here. Something that I want to educate my listeners on later on in this show at some point because yeah, that's such an it's an interesting intricacy of of yeah. a lot of sports. So definitely you know, got to focus on that for sure, though. <laughs> for sure, man. So. Talk to us, O'Neill, about so you mentioned you got into high school and you had to make a decision about swimming and football because it's in the same same time frame, right? Mm -hmm. um, talk to us about your high school football experience and what that was like and where you're from, so people can kind of get a little bit. So I live out in Idaho, right on the west side of the United States. So That's I'm out here, <laughs> little, well, little, I'm from uh, Lafayette, Louisiana. I'm about two hours, probably exactly two hours away from New Orleans. We all know a lot. You know, New Orleans is a big party place. Everybody want to go to New Orleans, so two hours from New Orleans, but um. High school career, um, freshman, I played on the freshman team, JV team, and then sophomore year, I started varsity. So I started varsity at the age of 14. I was very young when I got in high school. So I started at cornerback, and I also did receiver at the same time. I was the receiver and corner. Well, really, I started as a receiver, and then I switched over to corner. Um, I was pretty good. I think I made all district at sophomore, junior, and senior level, all district. Uh, um, I know it's kind of different in every city, every state. All district, all Acadiana, and I didn't make all state almost. So every year I was always all district and all Acadiana uh, in my high school career. Like I said, started since a sophomore, always did receiver, cornerback, and I was also the third string quarterback. So okay, I was very athlete, candidate. Athletes are always always seem to be in the quarterback position too. They always have them. <laughs> They always have the athletic guys. I was always hoping when... nobody got hurt because I did not want to do that. <laughs> hey, so here's a question. So you said you were a receiver turned corner and you kind of did both. Is that because you couldn't catch or is it because you could just do both? <laughs> that's always the I joke. about. I just couldn't do both. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. So as, as a sophomore, you get in there at a young, as a young sophomore, I was also very young in, in high school. So I don't think a lot of people realize that. So I was 13 years old, my freshman year were just like, it's wild. So I graduated when I was 17. I was a young 17. So my freshman year in college, I was 17 for like two weeks. It was what? Yes. Yes. So what people don't realize, O'Neill, is how much of a difference that makes, though. I never realized it when I was in high school. I just was always that growing up. I was always the youngest in my class and I was fine. I just kind of realized. But now I remember when I graduated high school a year later, I was 18 years old. I'm like, dude, there's fresh or sorry, there's so seniors in high school that are 18 right now. But I'm like a year done with college. And I'm like, my body is so much different. I was like, dude, I'm so much more mature as, as an 18 year old mentally, physically, everything than I was when I was 17. So it's kind of crazy. Um, the difference in your body when you have that extra year, but, um, I kind of want, obviously you were athletic enough and you were able, you know, you, you were able to compete at a high level from a young age. So that's actually really, really cool. But I am curious in high school in Louisiana, I'm sure the competition is pretty, pretty tough. Right. And so I, I want to know what your guys' training was like, what the weightlifting programs were like in the off season and kind of what you had to do to really elevate your game, especially since you were one of the younger guys. 
Gotcha, gotcha. So for me, like uh, like you said earlier, that transition from swimming to uh, football, I was always good in the weight room. So in my position, I was at the top, uh, pretty much one of the strongest when it came to benching. Because of course, chest. When it comes to swimming, I built my chest from swimming. So a lot of people don't know you use a lot of chest uh, when you're swimming. So I always had, I was always strong at bench. Uh, my legs are a little, you know, a little on the weaker side, but you know, I recover. Who cares about legs, right? Nobody cares about legs. But uh, yeah, with the working out, uh, a lot of transition from swimming, it helped in the gym. Uh, the endurance was there. I could do a full workout, ready to go. A lot of people start burning out when it comes to certain things. So the workouts was pretty cool. Um, like I said, I was always at the top of the game because of where I come from, the background of swimming. Um, but the workouts was pretty cool. We did, uh, of course, the major three, um, bench, squat, power clean. That was pretty much all we did, bench, squat, power clean. Focus on those three. And, um, yeah, it, it was pretty good. Do you have a favorite memory from your high school experience since you competed at varsity at a high level on varsity for that matter for three years? Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, I remember we was losing by like the last six seconds. They was about to score a touchdown, caught an interception, ran it back, but I didn't, I didn't make a touchdown, but saved the game for us. So that was probably the best. Um, and then my senior year actually making to the playoffs because we had four different coaches in my four years of high school. So we went, I think we won six games my first three years from freshman to junior. And then my senior year, we actually uh, got a great coach who went to the playoffs. And then the year after that, they went to the national, to the high school championship game. Yo, that's wild, actually. Now let's let's talk about that. So just for the listeners to understand, I haven't talked to O'Neill about this prior. So this is stuff that I'm learning while the listeners are learning. So when you talk about coaching changes, uh, there's this is something that goes – unspoken of i guess a lot of the times it kind of just flies over people's heads the the impact that a coaching change can have on an athlete um it kind of sucks at times uh it can be for the good but it's very difficult for a lot of people because every coach that comes in has a different strategy and a different staff for that matter for for the most part so i liken this to let's say alex smith he was um former quarterback for the 49ers played for the chiefs played for the redskins for a little bit um alex smith in his first eight seasons in the nfl had seven different offensive coordinators. So almost every single year, and nobody really talks about that. And I always say to people, I'm like, listen, he was a very capable quarterback, but everyone calls him a bust because he was like, he was picked before Aaron Rodgers was in that draft and everything. And I think it was 2004 or five, whatever draft that was. And I always tell people, I'm like, listen, man, a different offensive coordinator almost every single year of your first eight years in the NFL is very difficult because coaching changes can impact a lot of stuff. Like it shifts up your verbiage, your terminology, everything you're doing. So I'm curious from your perspective, O'Neill, how did you handle that? Because that's a life skill that you can translate into like regular life outside of sports, having to adjust to change. And that's change in leadership for that matter. So if you wouldn't mind breaking that down in high school, having four different coaches, how did you adjust to that? So if a kid who's listening to this right now is thinking, man, I've, I'm in the same position. I've had a coaching change and I'm struggling with it. Maybe give them some advice on how they can handle a, a coaching change. Gotcha, gotcha. So for us, good thing was... I only had two position coaches, but the head coach was four. So good thing about that was my freshman year, I had a, a different position coach. And then starting my sophomore year, I had that same position coach all throughout. So it wasn't as tough for me as it was for a lot of people. But, you know, overall, the head coach makes the rules. So uh, workouts will be different. Uh, uh, OTAs, when you're doing like a, all the, you know, the different drills, that would be different. Um the schemes will be different. We'll go from a running team to a passing team to a running team back to a passing team. So 
Um, you know, if you're used to getting the ball, you know, six, seven touches as a receiver uh, all your sophomore year and then that changes your junior year, that, that messes you up when it comes to the recruiting level when it, when it goes to college. So that's part of the main thing. Um, you know, if you're a receiver focused, you thought it was a pass team and then it turns to a run team, then that makes you – you might want to switch schools to go to another passing team because, you know, you're thinking about making it to the next level. So that's part of the biggest thing is switching from running team to passing team, running team to passing team. So you just got to find your groove. And then um, that's probably, like, the biggest thing is just switching the schemes of what – what you uh what you was doing interesting you say that there's a local high school here that we cover and um they were loaded with receiving talent o'neill is wild and i just literally covered one of the games on friday night and mm -hmm. because of a coaching shift and and some personnel changes there were some injuries here and uh personnel change they literally in the middle of the season switched to a wing t offense just heavy running they threw the ball twice in the first half one was a pick um and so they literally just ran the ball and i'm like what is going on here um, and I thought to myself the same thing. I'm like, if you're a receiver, there's no disrespect to like that. If that works, that's great. Um, there's a lot of receiver stats for their senior year. I mean, yeah. I mean, you, you go into that school expecting like heavy volume coming your way. And all of a sudden, no, like what, what are these coaches going to do? And the difference between football and maybe some of the other sports is you don't get a club season basketball. You have club basketball and that can get you recruited. But football, it's literally your high school season is what gets you recruited. That's what you, that's the film. You don't get a club season to go play club football the rest of the year with other people. No, that's, it's a different situation. So I'm glad you brought that up. Very interesting. Now, when did you, at what point in your career, O'Neill, did you decide, Hey, like I want to play at the next level. And I think I'm capable of doing so before you got to the, you know, the division one level of football. Uh, Probably my junior year when I started receiving letters from different colleges, like, all right, well, I might, I must be all right. I must be decent <laughs> to make it to the next level. But seriously, um, I just wanted to, I didn't really want to go to college. If I wasn't playing football, I wasn't going to college. But uh, when I was in high school, I always I knew what I wanted to do career-wise, and I knew I wasn't good enough to go to the NFL. So my goal was I was always focused on what I wanted to do after football. But mm -hmm. I was going to do football if I would have got recruited to go. So if I wouldn't have got recruited to go to college, I would have never went to college. But uh, I knew probably my junior year I was good enough when, you know, uh, talent started coming out. Recruiters started coming out. I knew I was uh, good enough to go to the next level. That's interesting. So what did you want to do? Like when you were in high school, you say you, you knew what you wanted to do after yeah. your football days were over. What is that? A real estate investor, what I am now. I knew that I knew I wanted to be that. Well, in high school, I thought a uh, real estate agent was what I wanted to do. I thought a real estate agent uh, owned houses, built houses, things like that. But, you know, lack of knowledge, I really wanted to be a real estate investor. Gotcha, man. So tell me this. Did you grow up in a family of athletes or even real estate agents and investors, or was that just something that you kind of like was football and athletics, just something you took on, or was that a parent or a family member that you, you kind of looked at for as well as the career choice too. I'm curious. Yeah. Yeah. So my, my, uh, my mom was in sports and then, uh, and also dancing, but how I knew what I wanted to do was my father is an entrepreneur. He was a barber. He owned a building in our downtown Lafayette area. So I grew up around apartment buildings, bank buildings, big commercial buildings at the age of 12 i knew what i wanted to be a real estate investor because whoever owned all these buildings got to be making money so i used to do the math I used to ask my dad you know how many people you think uh live in that building i started doing numbers you know 500 times whatever he told me i was like damn that's you know ten thousand a month twelve thousand a month i think that's what i want to do and i knew that since the age of 12 
I dig that. I love that your brain was already clicking in that kind of that kind yeah. of setting. Like, and uh, I never, I never had an apartment. I went from my parents' house and I built my own house when I was twenty-one, just oh, by knowing cool. uh, that somebody's getting rich off these apartments. Because I never wanted to make other people rich. I wanted to rich. <laughs> You're like, why am I building someone else's dream, man? That's that's exactly. wild. So you exactly. knew that that's awesome at a young age that started clicking in your mind. See, this is why I tell people athletes are not all dumb jocks, man. Like they yeah. actually have. They have an IQ that people don't realize, um, and you're sitting there already figuring that out. It's cool to hear that your dad was a barber. Um, that is interesting. That's an interesting thing because I follow, oddly enough, I follow barbers all over social media. Uh, Vic Blinds is obviously like the main barber that's out there doing like haircuts to the homeless and stuff, and he has conversations with people. But I oddly like that's a niche that I enjoy following because of the entrepreneurial side of it. I like to see how each one of them you know, runs their shop and kind of how do they, how do they even make money to do it? Cause it's not like the most lucrative of careers, but you can make Correct. it pretty impactful. Um, so it's interesting that you said that. Cause I, I oddly enough follow barbers all over social media. Cause I think it's cool. I'm not, I don't have good hair. I don't have any like desire to be a barber. I just like to watch what they do from the entrepreneur. You like the story, huh? Oh yeah. All, all about it. So that's pretty dope. So, so Neil, this is interesting as you get into the college level. So you're, you go to Louisiana, the raging Cajuns, um, this is where you're going to college. You didn't really want to go to college unless you were playing football in college. So I'm curious what the biggest like transition was for you going to the college world, because some, some people have that motivation of, man, I'm going to go get my degree, man, I'm going to go play football. But if you had a different mindset when it came to college in general, um, I am curious if it was a hard transition for you going there because they do focus on academics as well. You got to have a certain GPA to be able to play and all that stuff. So what was the biggest transition from high school going to the college level? Was it the speed of the game? Was it the academics? What was it that that was a hard transition for you? Well, before we get to that, I need to speak on this. Uh, so the school I went to wasn't uh, big on telling the students, hey, you need this, you need that to get recruited. So I was getting recruited until they said, hey, well, let's pull up your NCAA GPA. So oh. what is that? <laughs> so what is that? That's like your main core things. I only had a 1.9. Oh, wow. Okay. So I was getting recruited, and then it just stopped because I never heard of that, never knew what that was. I had a 1.9 needed a 2.0. So now the recruiting changed from, hey, a scholarship, hey, we got this, that, to, hey, you can be preferred walk-on, and then we can give you a scholarship later. So once that happened, I was like, bro, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't really want to do that. <laughs> I got to pay. I mean, I got to pay for college. I'm like, ah. And then they wasn't educating us that. I never knew about JUCO. I never heard about JUCO until I got to UL. So if I don't know about JUCO, I don't probably want to JUCO or I didn't went to a university. So I got into college as a preferred walk-on because I had no knowledge of uh, NCAA GPA because I was never focused on it. And what really messed me up was classes all the way when I was a freshman. <laughs> Ah, so it came back to bite you later on. Came back to bite me. Came back to bite me. So the biggest transition for me was I was getting recruited heavy by University of Louisiana, and then they switched coaches. Ah, again, here you go. Okay. So I got another co different coaches again. So the new coaching staff, they didn't even know me, but the old coaching staff knew me. So, you know, that's, that's different too. So um, started calling them up and then – they, they, they picked me up as a preferred walk-on. But the biggest difference of a college and high school is the speed of the game is different. The workout was different. We had, um, 
we was in the top five. Our strength and conditioning coach, he's in the top five craziest strength condition coach and toughest strength condition coach. I think he's maybe like number two. Like he got fined, all kind of stuff, because we was doing, like I told you earlier, running 2.3 miles, whole stadium included, with 55 pounds of sand on our back. If we missed any rep in the in the gym, you had to go straight to the stadium with a 45, 135 pound lead back and run the stadium. The top part. I'm talking about the top deck. The one that's steep. Wow. If you miss one rep, you gotta go. We worked out in gas masks. We worked out in the dark with uh, you know, like the military candles that look like the green ones. Oh yeah. We had to do all that crazy stuff. So that was the big difference. And also, once you get to college, they focus on your weight. How much do you weigh? I went into co- into college at about 155. I gained 30 pounds in my first uh year because they focus on you, you had to weigh a certain amount, of course, for injuries and things like that. So that was pretty much the, the, the difference. And then when it came to college, it was a job. It wasn't just, uh, you know, after school, you practice for three hours. When it comes to college, it's an all-day thing. Uh, we work out at 515, go to class. Then right after class, you go to you got to go do film. You got to get taped up. You got to go to practice. After practice, you got to watch film again. Uh, take your weight gain shakes, and then you get to go. So it was an all-day thing. It was an actual job with no payment at that time. I think now they pay, so... That was a big transition. It was a real job all year long. It wasn't just in the season. It's the whole year. You know, when the season's over, now you're working out. You're doing uh, – you with the strength conditioning coach. You you got, still got 5.15 in the morning, mat drills, OTAs, things like that. So that was the biggest difference. It went from a hobby to an actual job. That can be very tough for a lot of athletes. I think that's where you see a lot of a lot of guys that lose their passion. A lot of skilled athletes lose their passion for the game, the drive. I the lost game mine. Because, yeah, see, well, that's what I, that's the thing is, and I wonder if it's the preparation. So, Neil, that's a, this is why I'm glad I'm talking to you because it's a very raw and authentic conversation that needs to happen. Is there something that you feel could have been done from the preparation standpoint to to prepare you mentally for what was about to come? Or do you think either way, like it was going to suck because it became a job and, and no longer was a hobby. But I'm, I'm just wondering for these athletes that are about to make their, their push to the next level. I've got a ton of young athletes that listen to the show and their parents. Is there something that we can do better to prepare these kids for the next level? Because yeah, it is strenuous. Everyone that I've ever spoken to has talked about how strenuous the college game is. And even at the junior college level, uh, that the the junior college level is also very strenuous because you're learning. The, it's still college. You're still going there. It's just a smaller school, and so mm-hmm. it's trickling down. I mean, it's it's no longer just for fun. Now you're there to get get j- the job done. And so I'm curious what you think about preparation. I would say I don't know if it's legal. If they can take like some some actual players that's playing the game to start going to the actual high schools and just. Talk to them, mentor them. Like I said, I don't know if it's legal. I know they got a lot of rules at the NCAA, and they can go and and just speak on their recruiting experience, speak on their first year to let other people know this is what you're going to expect walking in. And if they do that, I think it will be a lot better for the future students to come. And then uh, how serious workout is and being on time, dressing right, sitting in the first two rows of class. It's just a lot of expectations as being a student athlete. You're not just – play there to play football you there to make a difference for the university because there's a lot of things that come with being an athlete it's not just play football that's it you if 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 you got to show up if film time and meeting time is at seven you got to be there at 6 45 so it teaches you how to be a man how to be disciplined how to show up on time and things like that 
Yeah, man. That's uh, you don't get to mess around anymore when you get to that next level. I do want to ask though. I mean, you, you mentioned you lost the drive for the game, but I'm sure there were some good memories too there. Obviously, you just mentioned some of the skill sets. It kind of teaches you those things that you got to do. It's kind of how to how to basically live in the real world and function in the real world Thank as you. a businessman now. Because like you got discipline, you got to be places on time, you got to do certain things. So that's stuff that you can transfer. But through your college experience. Did you have a favorite memory that uh, was actually positive from the, from the experience that you, you'd be willing to share? Yeah, yeah. I enjoyed all the crazy stuff. I enjoyed the workouts. <laughs> like, you know, like I said, I had endurance so I could make it through. I could make it through the workouts. I could make it through the running. So I enjoyed uh, football and especially enjoyed meeting the people that I met, the relationships I built. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, you know, change it for anything. I definitely enjoyed the experience. Because not everybody gets to experience collegiate sports. It's, right. it's very small percentage of people that, that gets to do it. Uh, like some people say it's a fraternity because, uh, like I said, it's a very small percentage of people that actually get to make it to the college level. So I'm grateful to have the opportunity. And, I, like I said, I enjoyed it, but I didn't like it because I knew where I could have been. Uh, 12-hour work days, like 12 hours of being in football, I could have been making some money. So that's what my mindset was on. My mindset was a, a lot different than other people. Of course, when we had meetings and stuff, there was like, raise your hand you want to go to the NFL. Everybody raised their hand. Like, come on, bro. We're in the Sunbelt Conference. You're not the best in this conference, so there's no way you make it to the NFL. You got to have realistic expectations of yourself. So for me, I knew I wouldn't go into the NFL, so I was always focused on making money and business in my future career. Do you think so that's yeah. what <laughs> nah, I, I, I'm glad that you, you mentioned that. So if, uh, if NIL, the name, image, and likeness deal that's now going on over the last year and a half, if that existed back then, do you think that would have shifted things for you? Because now you can bank off of your name, image, and likeness. There's tons of ways you can do it. You can be a young entrepreneur running a podcast, YouTube channel, and everything as, a, as a, an athlete and bank off of that. You can get sponsorship deals and make some money. Do you think that would have changed some things for you if you were able to like leverage some of that pain <laughs> into oh, actual yeah, cash sure. flow? For sure. So I'd have definitely looked into it and I'd have figured out how I could have leveraged that to actually make money in a university. So if I could have had like a, a kind of like a record label for the students, like, hey, do this, do this, do that, start a podcast, you can do it under me. I get 20% of what they make. I'd have do all that. But like I said, I'd have to look into it to see what, what actually could have been done because. You know, many people that was on the team could have made money, could have uh, got, you know, uh, endorsements, things like that. So if I could have put myself in that position, for sure, that would have been totally different. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's awesome. That's why I'm wondering because, like, I think some kids still today, O'Neal, are taking it for granted, that, that opportunity that they now have that people like yourself didn't have. Like, yeah. if you're an entrepreneur or you – dude, a podcast like this where you're talking to other athletes or you're just talking about the games or you're doing a YouTube channel – making a podcast network where everybody's under, you know, under one. That's name. what I did. Dude. I mean, there's a lot of things you could do. Uh, there's so much you could do. Uh, I think they take it for granted because you know what, as a consumer, I would watch content like that. Like I would listen to, to podcasts from like athletes that are in the thick of things and hear about sure. their day to day. Like I would love that stuff. And so quarterbacks to get on breakdown a game. Yes. Like, a lot of people be into it. Holy crap, dude. It'd be amazing, man. Yeah. Um, now with TikTok and Instagram reels and all this stuff, people have so many avenues to do stuff with. I just think they take it for granted. They don't all have the entrepreneurial mindset that, that you have had for quite some time. Um, did you have any, like, who was your favorite player that you played with? Like your favorite teammate and why? I want to, I want to ask you that question. Like who was your favorite player that you played with and why? Uh, you may have heard of him. Pale Ladarius Green. Okay. Why? Why is that? Yeah, I know the name. So he was a tight end 
six six tall. He was always very low key. He did his work. All he showed up on time. Did what he had to do, and just left. He was not the person that gotta be flashy. Everybody has to see him. He did what he had to do, and he just left. So I like that. And I remember when he went to the NFL, and came back. He had a a regular car. He had like a Chrysler with no tint on the windows. So, you know, most people that make it to the NFL, they spend all their money on cars, spend all their money on jury, spend all their money on all different type of things. So a person like that was somebody I looked at, you know, just watched them. I was like, damn, you know, you're going to make it somewhere because you know the difference between assets and liabilities. You know, if you're in the league two, three years, you're going to make something out of that two, three years instead of being broke right after you get out. So I always looked at that, and that's why he was my favorite player that I played with on my team. That's so cool. Yeah, I've always been interested in the financial breakdown of professional athletes. There was a 30 for 30 it's called terrible. broke. And it's wild how like the the high percentage of athletes that make millions upon millions of dollars, we're talking like tens of millions of dollars can go broke. And people always wonder why. Well, you kind of just alluded to a few things, but there's there's a lot of athletes that don't know that. So that's cool to hear yeah. how he was able to do it. It's if you're smart with what you're doing you can make three, two or three years of professional athletics into an entire lifetime that can change your entire lineage. Uh, it's wild. Um, so tell me this. Did you ever experience any injuries throughout your football career? Man, I'm happy you said it. So for me, like I said, when I checked out, I was like, I'm not a quitter, so I didn't want to quit. So I was like, God, please send me a sign so I can get out of here. <laughs> and then two months later, spring game, I was uh, we was fighting to see who was going to be the starter for the season. Was rotating first second first second I was balling having a good time having fun, and then I broke my leg in the spring game the worst injury ever recorded at the time at the University of Louisiana, I broke my tibia and, fem- and fibula, uh, snapped in half my bone damn near came on my skin it was kind of like Paul George when he broke his leg oh my gosh pretty much the same type of injury so once I broke my leg I was like I'm out of here I'm I'm done because uh, that's that's a pretty bad injury. Yeah, it is. Okay. That was, that that was the of... first and only injury I ever had playing sports. That was actually like my first time ever being in a hospital and an ambulance. Yo, what a terrible way to get introduced to that type of deal, yeah. though, the hospital and the ambulance. So you're already mentally checked out of the time, kind of like you're, not, you're still competing and doing so at a high level, obviously. You're still out there. You're not quitting. But then you break your leg, very severe injury. Do you remember like – when you were going, when you had the surgery and everything, did you have any intentions of coming back, or were you kind of like, you know what, I'm on to the next part of my life? On oh, first, I was like, because my my defensive coordinator was like, man, we need you back for the season, like, bro, <laughs> like seriously, because <laughs> it was springtime. I was like, I don't know if I could do that, but we go we go try. But then uh, probably after about a week after that, because I went back to the um, to the um, back to the field and everything. To when it was doing film pilot a week after I had surgery. So I was like, man, we need you back. Blah, blah, blah. I was like, you know, I thought about it for about a, maybe two, three days. I was like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> I don't want to do all that because I don't, I don't, nah. Because I was checked out. But at that point, I wanted to play. I was fighting for my spot. But yeah. once that happened, I was like, must have happened for a reason. So I'm out of here. So you, you kind of follow that path. Now I, I respect that. It's, it's, it's authentic. It's, it's truth. It's your truth. And that's kind of what happened. And so I, I actually re- really respect the, the, the blunt part of this conversation because injuries can derail people, but you, you know, you had already been looking for a sign. So 
That was kind of like your way of being like, you know what? I'm not all there. And that's one thing with injuries. The reason I asked that question is injuries are huge for athletes. Like if you're really serious about what you're doing, um, maybe you'll have the grit and the determination, but it's a mental, complete mental shift when you experience an injury, if, especially if you've never had a, a serious one. I brought this up a couple of times, but when I ripped my shoulder out when I was 28 years old, wow. I remember I was like, dude, if I was playing sports, like I couldn't move my arm for six months. And so I, I gained a ton of weight. I lost all the strength I had. I still can't do certain things. And I'm 34 now, but I, I still can't do certain things that I used to be able to do. I can't throw punches the same way I used to throw punches. I can't lift weights the same way I used to lift weights. I can't even do power cleans anymore because the, the, the upward motion of my shoulder pulling up, it slides yeah. out because I had anchors put in my shoulder. So like, I always think about that for athletes. I'm like, man, like the grind of just rehabbing and getting back to things and even being able to just function as a human being, not just as an athlete. It's so hard. You have to be at a different mental level and be like absolutely in love with the sport you're playing to even want to get back on the field or get back on the court or whatever. Cause like it's such a mental, everything changes when you get injured. It's very exactly. difficult. You're not going to be the player that you was before. And yeah, that's the truth. And some people will say, well, no, some guys come back better. And that's true. Like Paul George was, but, but take a look at Paul George after you mentioned him. I always bring him up. I'm like, was he still the same player though? Cause he was out there taking it to LeBron and the, and the heat quite a bit with the Pacers before he snapped his leg. And yes, he is still a high level athlete, but he's, he's not never, the same person. He has never been back to that same exact guy. Never. And, and people can say what they want to say, but that's just the truth. That's the reality of the situation. Exactly. That's, just, that's what it is. Um, so O'Neill, after, after your college days were over, you've obviously, you know, kind of transitioned into the business world. You're doing your thing. I want you to explain to the audience what you're doing now, because that's why I met you. You were at a business conference. So I want to talk about your business. You talk about real estate investing and kind of what you've built now. So tell us about what you're up to these days. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I'm a real estate investor, entrepreneur, um, been in real estate since 2016. My first, I started my actual real estate business with $63. I had my money. But all the videos, education, I got like, hey, you can start this business with little, no money. So I started with $63, made $2,000 in three weeks, made $50,000 in four months, $182,000 in my first year. Also purchased 13 houses valued at $1.3 million, all within my first year while having a full-time job and having a family. So that's what that first year looked like, and that's what I do now. So within the real estate space, I'm vertically integrated in the real estate space. I own a title company, I own a construction company, I own an education company, I actually teach what I do, I own a credit repair company, property management business, and um, that's what I do right now. So I'm just scaling those businesses uh, everywhere I can. How how long is it taking, you mentioned the first year, but how long is it taking you to get to this point where you could own those companies and start building it and scaling it that way? Uh, probably about five, about five years. Five also, years. the Airbnbs, but I didn't mention that. Well, about five years, but I really started focusing on vertically integrating everything once I quit my full time job. Because quit my full time job, I actually made two years uh, September twenty second. So after I quit my full time job, that's when the construction company started. But I always knew I wanted a construction company because it's aligned with what I do. So um, after about forty, about forty five days after I quit my full time job, started a construction company. And we made over six figures within that 45 days. Wow, so man. Within two months of me quitting my job, I made way more in that one company than I did the whole year at my job. But the reason why I kept my job is because, you know, once you buy in real estate, banks and lending institutions love a consistent pay schedule. They love W-2 employees. So yeah. I was leveraging my job to get my freedom, what I have now. 
Man, super cool how relatively people will say five years. That took a while. No, 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 no. Five years is actually relatively quick. It's very um, short. It's very, very short. And you've been able to do it with consistent hard work. What would you say is the biggest skill set you acquired through your football journey, the ups and downs, everything in between that you've been able to transfer into your your business life now as you scaled up your businesses and where you're currently standing? What's the biggest life lesson that you've been able to transfer over? You got to put in consistent work to get the results that you want. So just like with practice, you do the same stuff every practice. You think like, why am I doing this? Why am I stretching like this? Why am I doing the same drills? Why am I catching these balls? Why am I doing the same exact thing? Let's just say for five, 10 years, that's to make you a better person later. So for me, you got to show up. You got to wake up at a certain time. You got to stay on schedule. You got to do the things consistently to be the best person you can be, best entrepreneur, be the best entrepreneur, best entrepreneur you can be. And you also have to educate yourself. You have to go to conferences like where we met to keep feeding new things into your uh, mind so you can go to the next level. And then same thing like watching film. You got to break down the things that you're doing and how you can make it better. And then like a coach. Uh, just like a coach, you need to go get a mentor. You got to go to conferences so you can go to the next level. Uh, if you're in a, you know, if you're a quarterback, you need your your offensive coordinator to tell you what to do, but you also need to get a position coach to tell you what to do. But you can also go get another quarterback coach for technique to make you even better. So it's pretty much the same thing when it comes to business um, for me, and that's the things that help me. I love it, man. It's so cool. I hope these listeners are paying attention, taking note that you can acquire some serious skill sets that directly apply to your life after the playing days are over. It's uh, that might be earlier for some than others. Some guys might go on to the pros and whatever sport they're playing and whatever, but eventually the playing days do end. That's just the reality of the situation. So whenever that is for you, Maybe you can learn from O'Neill here on some of the skill sets you can acquire and, and directly transfer over. I love all that. I love the fact that you got a mentor, that you go to these conferences, because some people think that education is specifically academic through through public school systems, such as college and whatnot. Um, at, at the end of the day, no, you can educate yourself in a lot of ways. You can read books. You can get mentors. There's a lot of stuff online. There's conferences that you go to. I love that you just mentioned all that, man. Super cool to hear, O'Neill. So where can we find you, brother, and, and, and follow your journey? And if anyone's interested in and what you're doing on the business side of things. Is there any websites, social media that we can follow? Yeah, yeah. So the website is O'Neill, O-N-E-I-L, Parker. Instagram is O'Neill, J Parker. And then Facebook is O'Neill Parker as well. And uh, I'm also on YouTube, same thing, O'Neill Parker. You can check it. I need to post more on that, actually. But that's pretty much everything. Twitter, if you want to go on there, is O'Neill, J Parker. Now you got it all. I'm, t- I'm t- typing them all up right now. We'll put it here in the in the description so people can find it pretty easily and just click there. So if you guys are listening to this, you guys want to follow Neil on his journey, I'll put the links to the social media platforms here in the description. You guys can just scroll down on your, your mobile device and click it. Should take you right there. I'm looking yeah. forward to seeing what you do, O'Neal. I appreciate you joining the show and being willing to share your story, man. And uh, yeah, best of luck moving forward, brother. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me again. And if anybody have any questions, reach out to me. Just put, you come from GTG and then I definitely respond to you. There we go. You heard it from him. Now, listen up, guys. Uh, appreciate you guys tuning in. Make sure to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll be coming to you next week with another interview. Take care. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars, and leave me a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.